It's time to pull those belts tight, race fans. The Front Stretch is coming at you. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Now, here's Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston. Welcome to the Front Stretch, race fans. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Online at joeskarting.com. Fast-paced, white-knuckle racing just across the river on 23rd Avenue. Get over to Joe's Karting today. Do yourself right with a little indoor kart racing. Don't adjust your speakers. My dog has decided that it is time to play with her chew toy, so I apologize. We'll try to get through this show as we usually do. But, I figured uh, that would be chewing on the squeaker. <laughs> if a whiskey bottle sounded like that, it'd be more like me, but uh, not, not this time. <laughs> We're going to do things just a little bit different. We wanted to uh, throw an extra interview on the week of interviews. Uh, so for today's show, we're going to sit down with Corey Beckstrom of Corey Beckstrom Racing. And then a little bit later in turn number one, we're going to recap the results from Talladega. The Chastain train rolls on with win number two, and then we'll get to some headlines and yada, yada, yada. Then in turn number two, we're going to sit down and talk with Eric Rempel, stock car driver throughout the area. All right, joining us on the front stretch now is the driver of the number 32 late model throughout the area. Uh, been a longtime driver and a uh, big-time supporter of dirt racing. Corey Beckstrom joining us on the show now. Corey, I appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. <clears throat> Corey, let's kick things off with kind of the way we do with a lot of drivers. How did you get infected with the dirt racing bug well let, let me start with saying um correcting you a little bit i wasn't a, i'm not a long time driver last year was my rookie season you no may kidding. be confusing me with my dad who's been racing for about this is his 43rd year okay i think that's what i got you confused with and i do apologize for getting you confused with your dad no problem <laughs> um well so, so i'm betting that it's your dad to blame for this whole thing um, I, I would say when I was about 10 years old, he started racing and I spent my childhood, you know, at the racetrack on the weekends and it was always my dream to race. Um, unfortunately life had other plans for me and, um, got to the point to where I kind of like gave up on the dream. And, um, last year, um, the dream kind of became a reality and I was able to start doing what I always wanted to do. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I know there's a lot of people that would love that sit in the grandstands or, even help turn wrenches in the pits that would love the opportunity to uh, drive a race car. So what was the turning point for you? Um, it was the summer of 2020, me and my wife, who was a girlfriend at the time, we went to Shelby County Speedway to watch my dad race. And I don't know how he did it, but he pulled off the win in a, in a photo finish with Jake Neal. And I looked at my wife and I said, if he can still win at 73 at 49, I don't think it's too old for me. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think that's can... why, I and her answer is probably why I married her. She says, honey, if that's what you want to do, you only live once, go for it. So and how long did it take you to go by the ring? <laughs> um, not long. Let's see. I, um, the rate he, he won the race in August. We bought the car in October and I bought the ring. Um, in november well it says you were engaged october of 16 or yeah. so, october 16th but yeah yeah at least that's when you made a facebook official yeah yeah and then just a couple of months no waiting around when i got married in december no no when we went to ohio to pick up the car and she drove and she pulled it home most of the way by herself i realized that i definitely had to keep her <laughs> just asking the question wasn't enough it was time to lock her down yeah yeah <laughs> What kind of car did you get? Uh, it's a it's a blue gray blue gray rocket. Okay. Um, 
nothing new, but it, it definitely, it's, it gets the job done. I just got to learn how to drive a little bit better. Yeah. Well, it's always kind of a interesting, you know, process of if you're getting into the sport, do you spend the money on a new chassis because it's going to react the way it should, or do you save a little bit of money buy a used chassis and figure out if you really want to do it? Well, you know, I think the smart thing was to buy a used chassis because you never know what's going to happen. You know, I had a, I had some ups and downs and luckily the car survived the first year, but you know, it's, it's, it's still a good car. I think, I think uh, the better, you know, the, the more I learn, um, we'll be more competitive with it, I think. Yeah. And Dan, Dan, if all you had to do was buy a new car and it'd react the way it should, there'd be a lot more guys winning races. It's <laughs> not right. that easy. Yeah. Yeah, I just remembered it. You know, I, I've told this story on the show before of Kale Kaziski. Um, he, he went and got a new car and, and I was talking to him about it. And I said, man, you're really coming along. You're looking a heck of a lot better this year. And he goes, yeah, it's weird. We went and bought a new car and, you know, we make this and this change on it. And it does exactly what it should. The other car we I think they have was like 15 years old, had been straightened countless times and, and just it had been through the ringer. And when he made certain changes to it, it would do complete opposite or not enough or whatever. It was, it was, it was a real question mark of what it would do. Well, in your first couple of years of driving, I mean, it's, it's plain and simple. You, you don't really know exactly what the change is going to do. And I think Corey will probably back that statement up. You go, you think you're going to tighten the car up a little bit and you went out and did just the opposite because your driving style is different than the guy you talked to, you know, that yeah. said, Hey, do this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, actually my first year, you know, I, we had the car set up just at rocket standard and we left it there the whole year because I really didn't know how to identify what the problems were, if it was me, the driver or the car. So just set up at standard. I just wanted to learn how to drive the best I could. And Bob Ward, um, he helped me get the car at the baseline. And, and from there, we just tried to just get better and get better at that. This year, we're going to start making some changes and hopefully get a little bit faster. That's it's a, I mean, it's a good plan. At least yeah. you're sticking to it, you know, yeah. Yeah. you get other guys that go out there and want to make 23 changes the first night and they got no idea what worked and what didn't. Yeah. And that's, that, that would have been me. Um, you know, if, if you guys last year, if you paid attention, I, I started in the back of every race I ran just about, except for like the last five, we ran 25 nights and I took the back better than 20 times because I just wanted to get seat time. I wanted to stay out of people's way and, and I'm trying to gain some respect from the other drivers by not trying to do too much at once. And, you know, I think it kind of paid off. I was able to survive 25 nights and we got the same cars. So. Yeah. I mean, that's an accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how much is your dad involved with your operation? Um, unfortunately he lives, you know, a couple hours away in Iowa and I work seven days a week, so I haven't had a whole lot of chance to spend with him. We only race three nights together, but, you know, I'm going to try and lean on him a little bit more this year because um, I'm going to be racing at Harlan with him every Saturday. Mm -hmm. And hopefully he can teach me a few things and I can know what he's telling me this year compared to last year when I really wasn't quite sure what he was telling me, you know, and, and I wasn't trying to make a whole lot of changes because I knew that I was still the problem. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can kind of empathize with you a little bit with, you know, it, when they, they don't just tell you, well, go and tighten this. There's a lingo that you have to decode before you can, before you can go and make these changes to your car. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I, plus, you know, a lot of times 
I don't know if it's pushing or if it's tight because of maybe my entry was wrong, you know? So, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's the car, sometimes it's me, but I didn't never know which one it was, you know, but I'm getting there. I'm figuring it out a little bit slowly. Yeah. If you don't have the lingo down before you buy the car, you bought the car too soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, you got, you got to know what the words mean. You know, I mean, just go back and look at the movie. That's one of the best parts of Days of Thunder. You know, they're sitting at the bar and Tom Cruise looks at him and says, when you say this, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had the, I had the lingo down. I just didn't know how to drive yet. And I'm still working on that. Well, you get, well, you get that up on me you, then. You'd probably said you'd probably spend some time working with your dad's car or helping him out though. Over yeah, the grow, grow, growing up, you know, dad's kind of hands on, you know, and and he probably did more of it than, than anybody, you know. But you know, I learned a little bit. But the the car has changed so much, you know, from when I was a kid helping him out to what they are now that it's just a whole different ball game. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, I'm kind of thumbing through your page, and I got to tell you, I'm going to give you a big thumbs up. I think you're doing a fantastic job promoting your marketing partners. You're not just sticking them on the side of your car. You're actually posting about them and promoting them, so uh, keep that up. Where did yeah. you learn that from? Um, I, I don't know. You know, I, I just think it's important, you know. I mean, the way racing is today, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of tough, and the fans and the sponsors and the promoters and, and new media guys are – I mean, we're all important and the drivers. Yeah. It takes all of us to make this sport work, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, it's more than just putting the name of a, you know, a sponsor on your car, you know, we, you, you got to kind of market them, you know, and, and I think it's important. So Absolutely. I do my best. So well, can I mention my, my sponsors real quick? Yeah. Absolutely. Take the time. All right. Well, um, we got accessory parts. They're an aftermarket uh, parts wholesaler out of Omaha. They're new on this year um pixel fire marketing was with us last year they actually got the west omaha small business of the year um for web design and social media um stumpy's custom creations they did a great job on my wrap again this year i might not be the fastest guy out there but i think i'm one of the best looking um trophies plus out of breed iowa they make plaques and all kinds of racing merchandise for us anytime fitness and elkhorn um, best gym in town by far Webster well out of Morse Bluff they do a domestic and irrigation well services and a lot more the modern image photography out of Lincoln um, they've been out at the track this year taking some great pictures they do they do uh, graduation pictures or whatever you know they're great mm -hmm. and holy smokes authentic barbecue is new this year they are going to be having a grand opening here in the middle of the summer. And I look forward to uh, sharing some of that later on my Facebook page. So where are they out of? They're out of Omaha too. All right. Whereabouts? Um, actually, it's going to be a catering service. They got a food truck and they're, they're going to do catering and set up their food truck in different locations throughout the city. I know IED Speedway has been looking for a food truck to come down to the Silver Dollar Nationals on that friday of the free concert in the pits oh really so reach out to lisa uh and i just try to work it out because i've tried several times and it's just it for some reason i can't get anybody to come out nope i from what I, what I remember and i mean dirk can attest this that doesn't really mean much i i remember half of what's told me but yeah. I, I don't believe there was if any if much of a fee and you got a bunch of hungry, drunk race fans walk around the pits for three, four hours after the races. Yeah, it's a late night, but they should make some pretty good money. 
well, if, if they're trying to invite somebody out there, there probably shouldn't be any fee at all. You know, well, that's maybe why they haven't been able to get anybody. I mean, <laughs> I know, I, I know, um, I used to know uh, Sammy Sortino that, uh, um, and it's not the same Sortinos, it's the same family, but not the, the same people that own the Sortinos on what is it about 80th and L Street or whatever. Okay. Um, yeah. That, and they had the, they had the pizza at I 80 for a couple of years and they paid a, a good chunk of change to be there every week and have their booth. Yeah. But to have somebody come out for a one night deal like that, there shouldn't, they, they shouldn't be charging them a fee. That's in my opinion. But well, uh, I, I, I think I agree with you, but I, be, I believe there was a small fee in it and it did encompass them having the opportunity to sell in certain areas for the entire weekend. That was another oh, no. option. That was a larger option there, but. Yeah, then um, something like that might make sense if they're going to be yeah. down there for four days or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to sell a lot of food. I'll bring it up to my guys and see if they'd be interested. You know, they're 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 going to be brand new and they're looking to get their name out there, so it might be a great opportunity for them. So, I always love my guys at Wolf Smoky Barbecue, but it, I'm never not looking for a new barbecue place. So let me know when they open up. I'll keep an eye on your Facebook page. I will. Thank you. All right. What's the, what's the nine to five, seven days a week that you, that you're doing to pay for this whole thing? I work at a uh, Dallas Johnson greenhouses and council bluffs. It's one of the like top 10 biggest greenhouses in the country. I think they have 84 acres under glass total. Jeez. Um, we supply um, Menards, Lowe's garden centers throughout the Midwest down to uh, Oklahoma. And I don't know how Tennessee, I don't know how far East we go, but yeah. We yeah, I see facility every once in a while. I think it's over there on what's that highway that runs past uh, Iowa School of the Deaf? Highway 92. No, 92 oh. runs east and west. I think this, like you're a little bit south of there, aren't you, Corey? Yeah, we're, we're like that where the L Street crosses over. I think it's Veterans Memorial, maybe. Okay. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's Highway L Street. Yep. I think over there is Highway 92, I think. Is it before Manawa or if you're heading east, is it before Manawa or after? It's before it's by that box run country club. Okay. All right. Then I was, I was thinking of the wrong place. I'll have to, Oh no, I know what you're talking about now over there by the uh, bottoms up. Uh, is that still open? Uh, Come on, Dan, you know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I can't answer that. I was going to say, I can edit it out if you need me to. <laughs> oh no. I, I think they're open part-time hours, but I don't know. I don't go there. I, I, like it. I went there once years ago and, I'll just say I wasn't impressed with the the, the available product. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I went. I think I went on like a Tuesday night, so I I shouldn't have had my expectations too high. But anyways, <laughs> uh, that's a really developing area over there, by the way, too. Yeah. All right, uh, plans for big races. What are you looking at for weekly racing, and, and what big races do you want to hit this year? Um, for weekly racing, I'm just going to plan on I-80 Shelby County when they start. Uh, I might hit North Fork and Columbus a little bit. Um, we hit four tracks last year, and, I, and I'd like to hit maybe a couple more this year. Um, big races, I don't know if I'm ready for them, but, you know, I might try the Boone Nationals when they have the late models up there. Okay. And, uh, of course, the, the Silver Dollar Nationals, I'll probably be out there then yeah. that week, too. Uh, and I guess I should differentiate. Are you crate uh, limited late model, bragging right late model, or are you super? Um, I'm, right now, I'm just a... Uh, uh, 604 bragging rights okay all right. i gotta learn how to drive it drive it at that speed before i uh no that's, that's <laughs> not a bad thing yeah. nothing wrong with doing that then i'll have to hit up tim for a raise at the at the job so we can yeah. afford a 
uh, exactly open late model engine and or at the lottery one of the two uh right. something <laughs> we've been talking with Corey baxter driver number 32 so weekly at i-80 weekly at shelby county speedway when they open up here hopefully in a couple of weeks and then uh hit or miss throughout the midwest correct all right man good luck to you thanks for joining us on the show we really appreciate your time uh it was good talking with you yeah thank you i appreciate it nice talking to you guys so once again that was Corey beckstrom driver number 32 super late model fun conversation when you started out, said long time racer, I was going, that ain't right. But <laughs> he, he jumped on it right away. So. Yeah, I assume everybody's a long time racer when it comes to me. <laughs> yeah, well, in this, in this fact, well, you don't have more experience than he does because, like he said, he's been around his dad yeah. racing. Yeah. He's got more experience than he does driving time. Let's put it that way. All right, let's talk about Talladega, and then we'll get to the news. Uh, I mean, we can cross over the the results, but uh, if you want to, Dirk, real quick, again, I was stuck bartending at the library pub on Sundays, as I'll be doing for a majority of the time. We'll, we'll, I might need to take a couple Sundays off just to sleep, but uh, let's talk about Talladega. What, what was your takeaways from it? Well, first of all, our buddy Ross won the race. Yeah. And uh, I have reached out to... Uh, Oh, track house, track house. Yeah. Track house. There we go. I was like, what's the name of the team? And I've reached out to them and trying to get a hold of uh, either Justin Marks or Ross to uh, have a nice little chat with them. Cause they're having a, a very surprising year for a first yeah. year team. Yeah. Kind of making that 2311 team that I'm sure had a lot more money behind it than this one does. Uh, kind of making their first year look foolish. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, the fact that they purchased an operation that was already existing, I mean, they basically just bought Chip Ganassi Racing and took took over the shop, took over the team, took over everything. Um, that gave them a little bit of a leg up because they had experience already in-house. And and I'll, I'll go ahead and, I mean, I'm just going to say, I think 2311, even if you buy experienced teams, I think it takes a little time for them to mesh together. We're past that time for those guys, in my opinion. But I, I think it takes a little time to mesh together and figure things out. Trackhouse was able to copy, was just able to, it was basically just a name change on the side of the building. Yeah, but Chip wasn't performing like this. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They have, they've you taken, know. they've taken them to the level that you were expecting Chip Ganassi to be at for the last 10 years. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Ross has got a couple of years of experience now, and and I don't think there's anybody that knows the guy can't drive, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we saw him make a fantastic save in that truck race at Kansas Speedway a few years ago. And, uh, you know, one of the best best saves I've ever seen in all the years I've watched racing, at that level of racing anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I was, <laughs> you know, uh, working at the, at the library pub and uh, nobody there is a race fan, but I got a minute and I was looking at my phone and I got the NASCAR notification that Ross had won the race. And I, I did this very just cliche, like fist bump. And I just, I said, I was like, yes, 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 way to go, Ross. And everybody at the bar stopped and looked at me like, what are you talking about? So I had to explain to them that, you know, Ross's story. I mean, what a special story. This is this kid, this guy has, has worked his tail off and he's had his dream come true and had it ripped away. And now he's back at it again and he's, he's making the best of it. And I'm, I'm just so happy that 
he's such a nice guy, such a talented driver, and it's it's refreshing is getting the rewards, I guess. Yeah. You know? He's good for the sport. I yeah. mean, yesterday he went out there and he broke his watermelon and he picks up a piece of watermelon off the track and starts chewing on it. And <laughs> then a little bit later, he's got another chunk of the watermelon and he's up reaching through the stands, giving chunks of this watermelon to kids and whatnot. Anybody yeah. that wants one. Yeah. Great, great yeah. story with him. But yeah, it's, it's very special what these guys got going on and we'll have to work a little extra hard at, at making sure we get some time with Ross and um, the guys at track house. And we're down in uh, Kansas city and we're able to, um, to uh, uh get face to face and talk with these guys but yeah well, i know we've we've talked we've talked to ross since i've been with the show um twice and i think you had him once before that mm-hmm. before i was on the show so mm-hmm. but uh yeah yeah i mean he's real good to talk to he's well spoken i mean he's he's a good interview at the track he's he's good in when they shove the camera in his face um so mm-hmm. yeah I, i'm glad to see him having success uh so other thoughts on the race it was uh about what you expect out of the uh super speedway races i keep wanting to say restrictor plates but they're technically not restrictor plate races anymore didn't have any wheels come off so that was good interesting quote on brad keselowski's facebook page is we didn't execute well when you get two too fast entering penalties that's not, that has nothing to do with execution. That has a lot to do with your focus. Yeah. That dashboard lights up bright red when you're going too fast. It really does. I mean, they, they used to just set it based on an RPM number. Now that digital dashboard makes it very apparent that you're speeding. You know, and uh, yeah, it's just lack of focus when you do something like that. I mean, I'm figuring there were 39 cars in the race and a lot of them didn't make but one stop. So. You know, if we if you work it out, I'm going to say there was probably 200, over 200 pit stops during the race, mm-hmm. and I think there were three three speeding penalties that I'm sure of, maybe four, but Brad had two of them. Ross had one with 35 laps to go. Ooh, and I was just going to say that's one track you don't want to have a speeding penalty at because that can really come back to bite you. If I'm not mistaken, it might have been at that track that Bill Elliott once was two laps down and there was no lucky dog. And he won. (laughs) So, I mean, I'd pick Brad Keselowski in the contest because, I mean, he won one of the twins at Daytona. So I know he can run up front of the track like this. He's looking for win number seven at Talladega. But I don't think he ever got past like 10th place. Oh, no. He ran around there in the third stage for a little while in sixth. Yeah, him and Harvick were fifth round together, but uh, then he got that other speed. He got his other speeding penalty. Then, like it might have been that uh, lap thirty-five pit stop and went to the back and um, after his pass through, and he ended up uh, a lap down. So yeah, I ended up taking Daniel Hemrick, who finished thirty-sixth. So, and and Brad didn't. I don't know if Hemrick got any stage points. I know Keselowski didn't. So. He's not eligible for cup points. Oh, that's right. So, he was driving 16. The college no, racing The stage one and two breakdown report doesn't have the 16 anywhere. So that was a bad day for me. Yeah. Well, I still gained on you then. I thought I'd sucked eggs again, but I still gained on you. Do you need yeah, some eggs to I suck on? Brown, but uh, no, the, uh, you know, your Hendrix cars all got together for a while and were really strong. 
they did their deal where all the Fords pitted at one time, the Toyotas pitted at one time, and the Chevys. Actually, the Chevys and the Fords had to split it up just because there were so many of each make. You know, all the yeah. Toyotas could pit at once. And then I don't remember who crashed. Somebody crashed Christopher Bell at the end of the race coming off a of pit road. Somebody hit him. Um, there was a chain reaction on one of the restarts where Joey Logano got stuffed in the wall. He got, he was getting pushed by Bubba and he was pushing Eric Jones. And Eric Jones was pushing Martin Truex and Martin Truex stood on the brake pedal going into turn in through one and two. And, uh, just the way it accordioned out Logano just got turned sideways and nosed into the wall. Yeah. And that ended up being about an eight car deal. If I remember right. Um, so yeah, you had a couple of those things like you always do. Um, one at the end. Yeah, it looks like the cars that still managed to finish on the lead lap. Uh, 21 cars on lead lap. Last car was Austin Cindric. Well, they had uh, um, they had three restarts right in a row. They, they did a well, they had a yellow. They come back, they did the restart. They didn't get to the back straightaway, and the yellow was back out. They did the restart. They didn't get to the back straightaway, and the yellow was back out. I mean, it looked like a B mods at a weekly race. Ah, you know, they couldn't get they couldn't get a lap in. And uh, uh, I think that's where it up a lot of his time was in that section because that was right there towards the end of the race that happened. But yeah, uh, um, Harvick was semi lost most of the race. Kyle Larson, they had a lot of lap leaders, you know, they had some guys that hung out front, but, and it was a lot of follow the leader, just like it has been. And they get those two lanes and one, sometimes it's a high lane just seems to take off. And sometimes it's a low lane taken off, you know, and, and that to me doesn't make any rhyme nor reason, but you know, it just works out that way. Yep. And then you finally get somebody that gets a third line going and then out a Ross about caused, I'm going to say two accidents for sure. And maybe even a third one where his spotter was telling him to, to change lanes, you know, cause obviously they ain't, ain't using a blinker or nothing, mm -hmm. but here comes these groups. And I mean, they're, they're going three, four mile an hour faster, the car and boom, he just jumps out of the lower lane into that upper lane in front of those guys and about piled them up a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, right. it was, you know, it was typical Talladega. All right, then. Uh, Ross Chastain gets the win. Austin Kyle Larson, Martin Trucks Jr., top five. Eric Jones, Chase Elliott, Michael McDowell, Alex Bowman, Kevin Harvick, top 10. Tyler Reddick, 39th. Taylor Charlie. Um, Joey Logano, 32nd. You mentioned what happened with him. Brad Kozlowski, 23rd. Uh, finished a lap down. Christopher Bell, 22nd. Denny Ham, everybody else, kind of where you would expect them to be. All right, Kyle Busch still looking for a contract in 2023. The current driver, the number 18, Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota, is not guaranteed another season after the 2022 slate uh, series wraps up in November. His longtime primary sponsor, M&M's, announced back in December that this would be the last year with Joe Gibbs Racing. Mars', Mars relationship reaches back to NASCAR uh, starting in 1998. Uh, Kyle says, I'm not getting antsy about it. It happens. It happens. If it doesn't, it don't goodbye <laughs> he then said uh, i assume he was asked about his uh, contract and his sponsorship and he said ask joe gibbs <laughs> sometimes i do love kyle bush but you know that them's the them's the the breaks you know you it despite who you are i mean kyle's not who he was three four five years ago he struggled over the last couple of years with the changes in nascar 
I still think he's one of the most talented drivers out on the track, but you don't have sponsorship. Very few drivers are going to get a full-time ride if they don't have sponsorships. And Joe Gibbs Racing is one of those teams that's got plenty of people being uh, to take over that 18 car. They may not be as talented, but they'll be talented and they'll come with teams or they'll come with sponsors. Well, I think the the person that's in all honesty that's set to come into that 18 car is Ty Gibbs. Yeah. But I don't right now, I don't think he's ready. I think he needs another year. So I, I think they would be stupid not to try and figure out something to count at least one more year. Yeah. And not only for that, I mean, he spent 90% of his career, 95% of his career with Gibbs. And I think they owe it to him to try and let him run next year. Yeah. And break yeah. that tie he's at with Richard Petty for, with 18 seasons, straight seasons with a win. I think they owe that to him. I, yeah, I think so too. Uh, it's just tough to make those numbers how expensive the sport is. But, you know, he's made them a lot of money over the years. I wonder if that carries any weight. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. I mean, you know, he's got his own energy drink deal now that seems to be going well. And, I mean, if he had to, he'd probably pick up a race or two, a sponsorship if they can. Yeah. You know, and I think that would be the best thing for Ty Gibbs is to have two seasons in the Xfinity Series. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that was an issue with um, – Cole Custer, he was not ready for the, he's a talented young man, but he just wasn't ready for the cup series yet. And that's it for, for those. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Friday night at IED Speedway. Um, That was a a rough night. Have you talked to anybody about that night? Oh, several people. I saw a lot of stuff on Facebook and yeah, it's you know, obviously it was windy. Um, It was cold, not, not as cold as it got on Saturday night, but it was windy. And, um, I, I think that, you know, there was, there was a lot of cautions and I'm, I'm going to give the drivers the benefit of the doubt. I talked to several of them, uh, on Saturday at I, at Eagle about Friday night. And I talked to them since then they said it was just tricky going into the corners, uh, especially three going into turn three, you'd have a huge tailwind going down the backstretch. And then you go into three and the wind would almost push you up the track or it would push you down into the track to where you'd get more turn than you were expecting. And it was just a real tricky night. And uh, I know the speedway was frustrated with how late they went. I know I was frustrated and everybody was just frustrated with number of cautions, but I was really happy with the crowd that started. I was uh, happy with the crowd that ended up staying despite the number of cautions. Uh, and when we did be under green, I think we got some good racing in. Well, and you ended up with what, three cars upside down. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Worgen ended up, uh, needing to go to the emergency room after the races and getting scanned. And I think he had a couple of broken bones in his, did I read right in his neck? Yeah. I don't remember what they call that part, but it's a, it's a non-surgical deal. Yeah. They just put you in an X brace for a while. So you don't, you don't do a whole lot of Tristan. They call it something process. Um, but I can't remember what the word is they use in front of that. And uh, I mean, it, it's still a, a a severe type of injury. Anytime you talk about hurting your neck, it's, it's not a good thing. Yeah. Um, 151 cars checked in on Friday night and it, mm-hmm. it helped a little bit that Crawford County speedway was rained out and they rained out early. So it gave a lot of the teams time to get kind of changed. If they need to make any changements, I don't know if they need to make many changes because Crawford's still kind of a big track. So you don't need to make too many changes for I-80. Right. <laughs> um, I thought somebody posted 
online that there were 185 cars, but I looked through a bunch of the heat races that people were posting. And I was like you, I was coming up like with, a, I think I counted 149 or something. So yeah, if I missed one or two, but I know I didn't miss 30. When we did invocation, it was 148. And then uh, there was a couple of guys that showed up even later than that. Uh, my race pass has the official car count at 151. Uh, worth pointing out next time IED Speedway races, which is going to be May 13th, not this coming Friday. Again, they canceled for an event for reserved uh, facility deal. Um, so the next time they race as a NASCAR class, sport mods, stock cars, and bragging right late models all got over 20 cars on Friday the 22nd. So they will be racing for a bonus purse. And as long as they can continue to bring over 20 cars, I believe that bonus purse will continue. <clears throat> uh, so there you go uh, that was uh, i80 and then of course eagle eagle was just freaking miserable i mean it god i i was I'm, I'm sorry that we didn't get any post-race interviews for the page i'll get that remedied on saturday but friday night when i got to the pits at i80 90 percent of the pits were completely cleared out by the time i got there and the ones that were there I don't think there was a single winner left in the pits when I got there. They literally went from the front stretch, drove it into the trailer and drove off. Uh, Saturday was a little bit different. I didn't dress for the weather. I was freezing my butt. My took us off. So I, uh, I sat in the VIP booth, had a beer and then drove home. <laughs> I was never so happy to get home to a hot shower, but so I apologize. Yeah, I, we didn't get those videos done. I was going to say, uh, Anthony was at Eagle and, and posting, pictures and uh they uh looked like they had an exceptionally small crowd it was decent when the sun was up but man there was a point when that wind brought in just a chill and it 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 went from tolerable to miserable pretty quick but yeah i I think it was a little bit smaller crowd than normal for eagle all right that's going to do it for us in turn number one we're going to take a quick break we'll come back to number two eric rempel stock car driver throughout the area he sat down with us at the world of wheels car show we'll play that interview next hang tight dirk and i'll be right back on the front stretch every race car driver has run into the same problem it's well past normal parts store closing hours but you need that one to finish your car the guys who brought you white knuckle racing by the river bring you joe's karting racing parts and tire store open until 10 p.m monday to thursday and open until 11 p.m on friday and saturday a parts store that fits your after hours schedule and you can turn a few laps at joe's karting while you're waiting for your part to get pulled from their warehouse joeskarting.com for more information The official watering hole of the front stretch has you covered any day of the week with the best wings, great burgers, and amazing steaks. Each weekday from 4 to 6 is happy hour, featuring dollar off draft and well drinks plus $4 luberitas. Mondays are kids' night. Tuesdays are all-you-can-eat wings for $12.95, and the lube even delivers to the Council Bluffs area. Like Quaker Steak and Lube Council Bluffs on Facebook for a full list of weekly events. Get to Quaker Steak and Lube. Mid-America Drive, Council Bluffs. We're hooked up in turn two and still showing the green flag on the front stretch. Welcome back to the front stretch, rolling into turn number two, presented by Quaker Steak and Lube, the official watering hole of the front stretch. Get over to Quaker Steak and Lube Monday through Friday for great food specials, delicious beers, and of course, all the great food and all the great action on the big screens, whether it be NBA basketball, MLB baseball, NASCAR racing, F1 racing, uh, Lucas Oil late model racing. How about FU racing? Okay. <laughs> uh, there's always that kind of racing. 
that that tends to happen. A lot of that at I eighty. <laughs> yeah, some hurt feelings. At well, from time I should to say time. all short tracks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's going to be some at uh, Martinsville coming up, definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. yeah. There was there was some at uh, the Circus of the Americas there in Texas, and yep. uh, yeah, there'll be there'll be plenty of it this year, I'm sure. Uh, big thanks, Quaker Steak and Lou, for uh, continuing to support the Fred Stretch. Make sure to get out and support those that support the Metro's longest-running all-racing talk show, mostly racing talk show. We get a little sidetracked from time to time. Time to time. <laughs> Joining us on the show now, uh, Eric Rempel, longtime racer throughout the area. Uh, Eric, I've been wanting to get you on the show for a long time. Glad we were able to finally get it done. Hey, glad to be here. Uh, Eric, if you don't mind, just kind of walk us through your uh, history in racing. What got you started in this whole thing? Oh, boy. It's a long story. I've been racing for a long time. Probably need a couple of abacuses to put together to figure out how long <laughs> it's been. It's, uh, but it's been fun. So start from the beginning. I had a cousin that we used to race, watch, go watch racing at uh, Beatrice in their sportsman class. His name is, I'm sure you're familiar with it, Bruce Wasserman. He's a, he's a relation of mine, so we'd always go and watch him and my, me and my brother, and that's where the interest started, you know, and then Bruce, of course, moved, moved into the late models and kind of watched him there and raced at Corning and stuff and went along with him at times from that. And so he's, if you really look back and, and pick one point where there was someone that was a bad influence on me on racing, it would be <laughs> Bruce. So that was his, I blame him for a lot of stuff. And, and now he's a crew chief, right? <laughs> he is a crew chief. So he's, he hasn't drove for a number of years now and, and he's got two boys racing adam and and brendan stiggy is a is his stepson so oh, okay oh, really? i didn't you know, know that so they, I, yeah i met adam at eagle but uh yep. yeah adam, adam won a race last year so that was a lot of fun for them and you know he rolled one real bad at at albion there uh two years ago too so oh. so that was quite the deal for denise and bruce and seeing seeing their child go through that but anyway that's that's kind of where it all started and so we started racing in 1993 first race i ever ran was a enduro at Beatrice. Really? It, yeah, it was the most nerve-wracking race I've ever been in my life. It's, it's the car we had was a was a four-door Pontiac Catalina. It still had the Pontiac motor in it. Um, those are terrible to race if you if you know how the oiling system in them works. They're not good. <laughs> but we were That's high school kids. Races and me <laughs> and me and my buddy. I got a buddy. Uh, Robert Meese is his name. He's been around for forever we've we've been buddies since we were in diapers and so on and and so that's we kind of started with that and thought well boy we got this old junk car laying here and a motor and we cut the cage out of another car and welded it into that one and off we go and and i don't remember how many laps we made or not but it died on the back stretch and then i'm sitting there you know them enduro races they don't throw a yellow and when you're sitting there with your back to everybody coming you know and there's 200 cars out there or whatever it was that was uh, not the most fun racing I ever had, yeah. but it did did kick me off into thinking that you know I need to go do some weekly racing type stuff, and so then we built another car and we started racing uh, ninety, let's see ninety four ninety five probably in the Eagles Fam Sedan class race there with you know a bunch of old, older guys Tommy Denton and gosh you can't even remember a few of them names with Tommy still around helping doing some some promoting and you see him from time to time at at down the Beatrice area and and uh so we ran that that car for a few years and then after I got out of college we I ended up moving over to Clarinda Iowa and we raced Pro-Am uh, class over at at Corning for about five years uh you know that's back when all the Camaros were big and you know the 
Mueller and Carlson and well, you could run not, the big blocks and stuff over there then. Um, this was right after that. Okay. So we, yep, they didn't have the big blocks anymore, but went to the small block stuff. Um, so yeah, I ran a, ran a Camaro over there, did, did okay at times and, and so on. And then we ended up moving to Palmyra where we still live. And so that was where, when we transitioned from racing at, at Corning to back to racing around, around the Lincoln area again. So, but yeah, still been, still doing it, raced a whole bunch of different classes, had a lot of fun. Um, raced with the CNCTA late model series for a few years there and, and so on when, when Friesens were kind of running that deal and uh, you know that was a lot, of, a lot of fun. Those late model cars really go but they're so much different back then than what they are now. I look at the late models now and it's just, it's just crazy the technology that's changed from you know that 2000 oh, 2001 era I guess I was racing that um, to what they are now, it's just insane. The, yeah. the cars and the speed and the handling and the, how the cars react and, you know, the, the positioning of them. And, you know, it's, it's just crazy. But that was a lot of fun. And we were racing at uh, Belleville, Kansas. It's the only time I've ever raced there. And uh, that, that track is huge. But when you're racing it, it seems so slow because it's so big and it's so wide. And, and you know, you turn your hands to, to about the... The 10 o'clock position, you just sit there. You hold it wide open, and you just sit there. And, you know, if there's somebody in front of you, you can't catch them, and there's nothing you can do. And, and so then I got up next to the wall because I was, you know, bored or something, I guess, and looked across the deck at the post on the fence, and they were going by so fast. It was like, oh, my gosh, this is, this is nuts. And about two laps later, the motor blew up. So, oh. well, yeah, so then I pulled down the inf infield, and the oil was running out from under the car to the back. And, and I tell you, with that, that whole deal and – the money it costs and the money I spent, I just wanted to cry because it, it was because I knew it was at that point my racing was over for a while and it, it took us out of racing for over a year there. Wow! Just you know you you borrow money and you you build this stuff and, and with the attentions of it lasting a couple of years to kind of get your head back up again up above water and and so on. So then for a few years I drove some other guys' stuff and back into kind of some stock car stuff and you know we kind of gravitated back towards the stock car because it's so much fun and and I'd say it's it's more it doesn't cost as much but it's it's still it's still very expensive um every class of racing is but for my my situation it's just better all the way all the way around and and the the, the stock cars you can you can be really competitive and the racing is really good and as long as they kind of have that imca stock car type of rules package um somewhere in that realm you know you can go to so many different tracks and and race all over and be competitive and, and have good races. So that's kind of why we gravitated uh, back to the stock car stuff. Fantastic. It, it kind of, as you're kind of talking about that, you know, it, I've got a little line of thinking going, and, and of course, Dirk and, and, and Eric Rempel joining us. Uh, feel free to correct me because I'm probably wrong, but it, <laughs> there's been this big gravitation back to the stock car class. You see a lot of guys yep. that are modified drivers, late model drivers, yep. whatever, and they're going to get in a stock car, Absolutely. or they go and race a stock car once in a while. Yep. Are we going to see the cost of stock cars start skyrocketing because guys that have got modified budgets or late model budgets are putting more money yeah. into their stock cars to make sure they're competitive? So, those, you know, those guys, they're not going to have subpar equipment. They're not going to, you know, they're going to go out and get all new stuff there. Yeah, they're going to have top-of-the-line stuff. Whoever that, you know, big chassis builder is or that big engine builder or the big name or the, you know, whoever's winning 
win it with whatever combinations, they're going to go get stuff that's equal to that or whatever they feel is equal to that. And it's not going to be, you know, a, a lower end motor, you know, it's certainly not going to be in kind of a cast piston type motor that we used to run all the time, you know, and, and uh, they, they run all right, uh, but they don't run like a stow motor or, you know, whatever. So those, those guys are going to have top notch equipment and, and in dirt racing and probably any racing, I suppose. Um, it's kind of a monkey see monkey do. Well, this guy's got this and this, and so I need to get something of that or, or equal to that. Um, and then the stock cars, honestly, you can get by with running um, not lesser stuff, but stuff that isn't name brand high dollar. You know, I, it, here's an example I'll give you. I've, I've got a motor that I built in 2012. I still have it. I, I still run it once in a while. It's a, it's a cast crank, a scat rod, uh, motor. It has, you know, a stock 993 head on it. It's not, doesn't even have the EQs or the, the newer ones or whatever. And, and I can't remember what, two years ago, we were at RPM Speedway in Hayes, Kansas for our qualifier. And I was starting outside front row and Mike Nichols was starting right behind me. You know, that, that's a big deal. I'm Who? like, oh, uh, now that 63 <laughs> guy, I don't, I don't know. That one guy, he's got like 10 national titles yeah, in the IMC I series. I don't I, I don't know, but anyways, enough yeah, yeah. I mean, more. gee, how many fingers do you have? Good grief, <laughs> you know. So, so he was starting right behind me, and and I'm like, you know, he he. If you give him laps and and time around a track, he's probably going to get you. He'll get yeah. position on you, you know. Next thing you know, you you know, you're side by side. Next thing you know, you're following Mike Nichols instead of leading Mike Nichols, and mm -hmm. so that's happened to me a number of times. So, uh, we, we go and we're, we're running, and and I end up winning this qualifier. And I was running that motor, and I'm certain that Mike does not know what motor I had in, because if he did, he, he would not be overly thrilled with that. But <laughs> it just proves that you don't have to have, you know, you can, you can certainly run something. If it's 15 horse down in a stock car, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. It's, you, you can get by with it. It's everybody thinks you, you have to have the top-notch stuff, and it's, you know, don't get me wrong. It is really hard to beat some of these guys when you're down, um, on, on a little bit of horsepower. And the other big, huge thing is shocks anymore. Shocks are just crazy. Um, but you can compete with those guys with lesser stuff. Now, it's not easy. And, and if you have a choice to do it, I would, I would uh, choose having equal <laughs> equipment yeah. to them because you, you don't want to put yourself behind, behind the eight ball a little bit and go try to race Jordan Grabowski and try to beat him because good luck. Yeah. It, it's probably not going to happen unless you get lucky. Yeah. And that happens once in a while too, but... The, the stock car class is just so competitive, and we've had so many good races with, you know, guy, guys around this area and, and so on over the years. So it's been, been a lot of fun. You, you obviously want to win every race, but it's probably got to feel a little bit of a consolation prize of if it's a competitive race and you got to have a lot of fun doing it. Okay, yeah, I finished second. That sucks, but, God, that was fun. Yeah, yeah, there's absolutely a bunch of nights, you know, you, I get out of the car and, you know, and I'm just happy for the guys that, that win is, is, is what I am for, you know, running top five or something. And, and honestly, if, if we can, you know, load the car up at the end of the night and, and come away with a top five or something, then that's just, that's just fine with me. I, yeah. I've got no problem with that. Well, you guys are talking about the, the money coming back into stock cars. A stock car right now is about what a late model was minus the quick change in the 70s. Absolutely. It's probably it's more expensive than, it's, than a late model in the 70s. It's probably oh, yeah. more like a late model in the, in the later 90s. 
it's well, it's no, up because there. by then everybody was running four coilovers and stuff like that. You still had coil springs. Oh, no. yeah, as far as suspension, like right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean the engine. Obviously, you can make an engine for three grand. You can make an engine for thirty grand. Where right. you going to go? But uh, right. um, stock cars, I mean, and uh, the old pro am class from the Bronco class at Sunset that started in the eighties. Now, I built a car and sold it to Roger Hayden, who ran top five in points two years in a row with it. Right. I never even built it, but there wasn't a thousand bucks in that chassis. Right. You know, you, you built your own stuff. Right. But now, every car you see that's in a stock car is a bought chassis. Right. You know, you yeah, got for the most part. There. there are a few home-built ones or, you know, kind of the guys that have switched over into building some stuff. You know, they'll... You, I suppose you could consider them a, a store-bought car, but they, you know, they might only build five or six cars a year. So, to me, that's kind of a still a home home-built car. And, and we build a bunch of our own cars too. And and here in the last handful of years or so, we've been running B and B chassis with Paul Berger, and and uh, you know, Paul's great great to work with, and and uh, done done fairly well with them. So, I guess we'll keep running them. Yeah, okay. yeah. You you've had a little bit of success with them. Uh, Chase the points championship at IED Speedway, I think 2020, uh, got really close. Uh, yeah. Great battle with you and Shane Stutzman. That yeah. was a lot of fun to watch. Um, yeah. I don't. Did you decide to not race IED last year for the stock cars? Right. We were we were kind of scaled back a little bit. I was just going to race Eagle. So part of the reason in the last few years we haven't raced quite as much is my daughter plays travel softball and I coach. And last year I was one of the head coaches, and that is an enormous time commitment. Yeah. Um, but it's the family thing, and it's it's for me it's the right thing to do um, with my children. One thing, you know, racing for as long as I have, um, you know, racing before I was married. You know, my my wife knew what she was getting into when we when we got together because I was already racing. It wasn't wasn't like we were married and then I started racing. So yeah. You know, um, but one thing I always uh, wanted to pride myself on was that as my kids were growing up that, that I never missed any of their stuff or after, you know, they're gone and out of the house that I had a regret and said, you know, I, I missed this or that that my kids did or, a, you know, activity or whatever and, and so on. So for, for now, and this, this is their last year plan. So um, next year it might change a little bit, but um, we're going to play some softball this, this spring. Um, it's going to take a lot of time, you know, with practices and games. And, you know, last year we played 55 softball games and, you know, all the tournaments and all these tournaments are on the weekends. You, sometimes you start playing on Friday night and Saturday and, you know, brackets on Sunday. And, yeah. you know, it kind of squeezes out the time for doing the racing stuff. But, but for me, that's the right decision to do. Um, so that's kind of why we didn't run I-80 much last year. Um, that was a decision that we, we made. And it had nothing to do with anything else other than, other than um, we time. just wanted to do, do, do that. So. Yeah. So, and then we got upside down at Eagle, and it, it hurt the car a little bit. And so then from, from the time for, for doing the other stuff and trying to fix it, and it took a little while. And, and so here's an interesting fact. So out of 27 years of racing, last year at Eagle getting upside down was the first time I've ever been upside down in a race car. Yeah. And I wasn't that thrilled with it. It wasn't that great of a time. <laughs> so just if anybody's wondering, you know, that wasn't – wasn't the most fun thing. It's so. not that fun. Yeah. Don't worry about doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I had a pretty good run going. I ended a 27 year streak. So, but one, one thing about racing, if you're dirt racing, if you're going to do it, things like that are going to happen. You need to be ready for it. And you, you will get upside down. You will get in wrecks. It's just the way, the way it works. So be prepared for it. And, 
And everything worked out fine there, but it was not a lot of fun hanging in the car sideways there. Don't uh, cut the uh, safety budget <laughs> yeah, is what you're no, saying. No, that stuff's there for a reason. And, you know, speaking of safety stuff, if, if I think back of, you know, in 1993 when we started and, you know, that enduro car that we raced, we had a fiberglass seat in it with no head supports. And, you know, I think about doing that stuff now and it's like, man, I can't imagine doing that without head supports and, you know, head and neck restraints and the the way the belt system is and here a couple of years ago i got a uh the ratcheting belts and if anybody doesn't have those i would highly recommend them because you can tighten yourself down in the seat way tighter than you can with any type of pull belt so yeah. and they're not cheap of course but they're definitely worth the money absolutely talking with eric rempel uh stock car driver throughout the area let's talk about your plans for 2022 all right so the car we've been racing for a couple of years i sold that last year we we, uh, of course, wrecked it at, I, uh, at Eagle, and then I, we fixed it, and I raced it a couple times at the end of the year, run a couple top fives with it, car felt exactly like it did before. Um, we contemplated keeping it, because that, that car, honestly, was the, the fastest stock car I've ever had. Not the car we won the most races in, but absolutely the fastest stock car I've ever had, I, I personally owned. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did make a decision to get a new one, so I sold that car, and then we, we ordered a new one, and I have it, and we are putting it together now. Um, it's probably going, realistically, it's probably going to be about June oh. before I get it done. Yeah. So just time commitments. And, you know, we didn't get it till about, oh, I don't know, three weeks ago or so. And it takes a while to put these together, and so it's got to be right. And when I get it right, then we'll go race it again. So the other thing that's kind of... Uh, getting us is the availability of some parts. So, oh, is there a shortage? This, yeah, yeah. There's a sort of shortage, <laughs> and that's a, that's a real deal on trying to find this stuff. So, yeah. Um, not that it's impossible to do, but it it's not as easy as it used to be. We we didn't know how good we had it. You could just walk right into Speedway and right. You know, buy a side panel for the car and and walk out and away you go. It's yeah. not it's not that easy anymore. And for at least for right now. So hopefully hopefully that stuff gets turned around. The tire situation gets turned around and and uh. We can kind of go go get parts and put this thing together and go race it some. So no points racing for you, obviously, since you're going to be into June. Right, yeah. And traditionally, we haven't raced too many points here. In the last, you know, four years, we kind of got caught into points racing at I-80. And uh, I don't know, if, if there was ever a stat for who got the most second-place points finishes <laughs> in their career, man, I've got to be right up there. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's one of the most frustrating things to – to go through a year and have some little thing happen. And, you know, you mentioned 2020. I think we were the fastest stock car at, at I-80 that year. And a couple things happen. You get a DNF, and then you don't win. Yeah. That's how it goes. Eric Rempel, driver of the number 21. So cars should be done about June. Fingers crossed. Everything goes okay. Uh, what big uh, – do you do any traveling, like going to, uh, like, Las Vegas or – uh, Arizona and go do any racing yep. in the so, off season. So this year we probably won't, um, with the fuel prices and stuff like that. It it just really hurts your budget for doing stuff like that. But two years ago we went and did the Sniper Stock Car Tour, the Texas Tour. Yeah, and that was a ton of fun. That was and we ran pretty good at that deal. There was, you know, 101 stock cars that were racing at some point in that deal, and there was over 50 that were there every single night. And out of the you know, the week-long points series, we ended up ninth. So, oh. And we were, 
we were like one car away from making another A feature. We missed an A feature at uh, Wichita Falls and it got beat by the, uh, well, I forget his name now, that Weston Abbey. So running a B feature with, with Weston Abbey, the track was a little, had a little character to it, had a huge cushion. And I, I was hammering the cushion there and just driving it like my hair was on fire because I knew Weston was right behind me. And that, I don't know if you know Weston, but Weston's, you know, not Mike Nichols fast, but he's up there. I mean, yeah. for, for sure, he's one of the fastest guys in Texas. Anyway, I knew he was right behind me, and I, I had bumped a tire over the cushion and gotten the, there was pretty deep marbles, and that got him beside me going the, down the back stretch. And when we were going to turn three, because he was running for the points championship of that deal, and we were going down the back stretch, we were side by side. I knew that he was not going to lift. <laughs> and he didn't. And so to save my stuff, I did. And yeah. that cost me that A feature because that was the last qualifier spot. But anyway, if, if we'd have made that A feature, we'd have been, you know, like sixth in that deal. And that's, nice. you know, that's a feather in my hat for, for going and running that deal. Most of the tracks I'd never even been to, never even seen. Um, Abilene was the only one we've ever raced at before. But some of those little boring tracks down in Texas were so much fun. Um, Grayson County, that, that, it looks like a little paperclip, and when you walk up there and look at it, you're like, man, there's no way you can even race too wide on there, but it's one of the best races we had. It was just so much fun. Hmm. I just remember down there racing with Kirk Martin, who, Kirk Martin, I don't know if you've, he, he had a, a sniper car, and he actually died here last year of, of COVID, so um, Jeez. that was unfortunate for him, but I had a heck of a race with uh, Kirk Martin at at Grayson, and then again at Kennedale for that deal, and and so anyway, that was it was a lot of fun down there. Them Texas guys are fun to race with. Um, I felt like getting ninth in that deal was was pretty big, you know. I'm just an average Nebraska racer guy, and I'm not, not you know nothing to go down there and race, hang with those guys. And it feels and, pretty uh, good, you know. Keep up. It just proves that you know our stuff and our combinations and stuff are you know they're they're legitimate. And yeah. and again, the stock car stuff you can. With the rules and the rule packages and everything's the same all over, you know, you can go, you can go anywhere in the country and and know that you're going to have the same rule package and you can you can uh, keep up with those guys or at least be competitive. So right. Uh, any plans to run like the Midwest Madness Tour or the uh, Stock Car Crown? Uh, we might run a few of those races again. Starting late's going to, you know, as far as racing for any points in those series or whatever that's going to pretty well kill that but yeah robbie marsh has has been uh bothering me on doing this because you know obviously rob raced a long time ago and known him for a long time and and i really wanted to do their dirt crown stuff and uh but unfortunately with not having a car done and so on um it's not going to happen this year probably make a few of those races uh but 27 years of racing this is probably the farthest this is the farthest behind as far as getting a car done for the beginning <laughs> of a year that I've ever been. But I feel like I've raced enough years that, you know, it's, it's okay. What's left for you? Do you, do you want to try to push for a, a track championship anywhere? Do you, do you want to do a different class? Um, you know, since we've kind of raced some other classes over the years, I don't really have any interest in driving any, anything else. You know, the late models were a lot of fun. The the side by the g-force in a late model was like no other car and that was a just a it would it would absolutely lay your head up against the you know side support in the seat and and that was a lot of fun um but been there done that um drove a, a modified for ben novotny for a couple of years and and that was fun too but you know racing other people's stuff i'm kind of 
kind of went through that phase or whatever, and so probably won't do any of that kind of stuff anymore. Um, I like owning my stuff, and then that way I can go if I want, not if I want, and if I want to set up wise chain something, I can do it. And you know, it's it's me and my brother. My brother's been been with me for every single race that we've ran since '93, um, and he's invested in this in our racing program as much as I am. And and so uh, without him, I wouldn't be able to do this at all. But um, I don't. I don't have any desire to really race anything else. The only other thing I've never run is a sprint car, and I would, I would be interested in hot lapping a sprint car, but I'm getting too old for the danger that's involved with a sprint car. There, there are a little more dangerous. Are than they regular. a little dangerous? Yeah, they are. They are. But I would like to feel what they feel like driving yeah. one, but yeah. um, not enough to where I'd ever own one. I tell you, I was standing down in turn three last night uh, during the spring meltdown at I-80 Speedway, and just to watch the way those cars dodge and you know yeah, and, and avert each other yeah. and attack the corner it's yeah and those guys scary. have a different they have a different way of racing each other too like you know i don't know if you could take a a full fendered guy and put him out in a sprint car and it would take a little bit to understand how those guys race with each other and because you know with the slide jobs and how they because there's things in a sprint car you absolutely could not do in a in a full fender car because you'd be upside down in a hurry. Yeah. Well, you're so. running off that right rear tire with that giant amount of stagger. Yep. You know. But maybe you could uh, talk somebody down at Eagle one night and do a hot lap session or <laughs> yep, something. Maybe. Yep. But Kyle Larson seems to kind of go back and forth between fenders yeah. and big yeah, he tires. Can, man, that guy can drive anything. It's pretty cool, but. Uh, he's Kyle Larson, and I'm not. <laughs> Change your name. It's that simple. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't think that's how it works, but, yeah. It's, I tell you what, it's fun watching Kyle race some of that stuff. And, and, I, and I think with the, you know, the deal that happened to him with the NASCAR stuff, um, I think that was actually a good thing for dirt racing. Oh, yeah. With bringing him in there and the, you know, because people were watching it again that wouldn't have. You know, yeah. I watched some dirt, some of that touring dirt late model stuff because of all that. You know, so so from a standpoint of was it good for dirt racing? I think it was. Well, yeah, and I mean he was he was good over at Knoxville yeah. when he'd come run the World Outlaws over there because we interviewed him over there one yeah. one year when uh, what he run third or fourth or something that night he yeah. was up up front, yeah. but uh, the one night he came out of the D feature I think transferred all the way up and then you're asking the wrong guy. Uh, I think it was out <laughs> I think of the I D was feature drinking that and night. Then, and yeah. uh, started in the back of the A and made the podium. So, you know, that yeah. guy's a wheel man. That's yeah. all there is to it. Yeah. Well, it, it, it was a good deal all around. I mean, uh, it's a bad thing to say, but it ended up working out in his favor because yep. he left an organization that kind of struggled and went to an organization yep. that has had success. He grew a little bit as a person. The yep. sport learned a little bit. I mean, it, it, it ended up being a positive right. um, all around, and, and now I think we're better off. But he is... He is the bridge between dirt racing and NASCAR, like Tony Stewart. Yeah. Tony and Stewart started that bridge. Kyle Larson's finishing it. Yep. And there's a few others that are kind of coming in that same realm. You know, Chris Christopher Bell and some of those that yeah. do the some of the midget racings and the Chili Bowl stuff. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse is in there. Yeah. Uh, I wish Tyler Reddick could do some more late model stuff because he was yep. great in a late model. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you just. Um, so I'm sure you're familiar with Millbridge Speedway in, in Charlotte or whatever. Oh, yeah. But so uh, on my race pass, go on there and look at the results and look at their the micro results. A whole bunch of those NASCAR guys are racing that now. Yeah. You know, Haley Deegan and Christopher Bell and well, I mean, Redick that's and, Travis Quapel's kid was a track champ there, Carson, yeah. and now he's doing real well in an asphalt late model. Yep. So yep. Well, Which I, I believe that's uh, Dale Junior's 
late model car. It is, yeah. it is this year. It wasn't okay. last it wasn't year, but last year he won yeah. like three races okay. in, in somebody else's deal. But, yeah, he's in one of juniors. He's like one of juniors' development drivers now. Right, right. Talking with Eric Rempel, driving the number 21 at stock car throughout the area. Hopefully we're going to see that 21 out and about uh, sometime around June. You're looking for I-80 and Eagle? Yep, we'll probably just race those two. Um, probably won't do too much traveling this year. Uh, fuel prices and, you know, my my poor pickup is about wore out. And I don't know if you've looked at newer pickups or ones with less miles, you know, because it has to be, a, you know, something that can pull my enclosed trailer. So I can't go get a half ton, you know, Chevy right. or whatever. And or a Colorado. Yeah, yeah can't. <laughs> that little straight six or whatever they put in in now probably is not enough to do that. But so probably won't go too far because of that. Um, a couple years ago when we went to Texas, we had to use my brother's pickup. So um, we'll figure that out or whatever. But we'll probably just race uh, Eagle and I-80 some. So, All right, then. Uh, sponsors. Oh, so my brother is the biggest one with Double R Trucking. That's his his truck. They haul livestock, all pigs and stuff. Um, he helps me a lot, both, both on the financial end and in the shop, obviously. Um, somebody else that I've been with for basically since I started racing is Schmidt Machine in Fairbury. Uh, Russell and Brian have done, you know, my machine work and my motors and stuff for, for a lot of years and had really good luck with them. And, and uh, I, honestly, I think that's one of the reasons why the popularity of the stock cars is still up there is because we would still run built motors. Yeah. We don't run crate stuff. Now, I understand the reason for the crate. And sometimes when you're having some motor issues... Um, it would be nice to not worry about the motor because, you know, the crate guys, they just put a crate in and then that's one piece of their program that they don't have to spend as much time on. Yeah. You know, because they just, you know, they run and whatever. You change the oil on them. You put valve springs on them every once in a while and you run them some more. And, and, you, and that may not be the case exactly with a built motor. Um, and when they get wore out, you have to rebuild them or yeah. buy another one. So most, most guys are rebuilding them, obviously. But so Schmidt Machine is a big one. They've, they've helped me for a long time. Um, Lewis Performance, Barry Lewis, he's helped me a little bit in the last couple of years. Um, Barry started doing his own machine work. Um, he's got a Facebook page and stuff, so um, great guy to deal with. You know, Barry's top notch. He's, he actually started running a hobby stock there last year at I-80, and now his son's going to race, so that'll be mm -hmm. fun to see, see how they do with that. Stutzman helps me a little bit with Bob's Who? service. Oh, that Shane guy or whatever. Oh, you know, he's another guy that's you been know, racing for forever. And actually, I, I think Shane started racing the year after me. And we've basically known each other since then. And I can't have and, him on the show because he never stops talking. Oh, yeah, oh, I'm he's sure. He's just a Man. jabberbox. Yeah. yeah, you have to get Barrett up there probably because... <laughs> Yeah. That's Doc, so anymore, Doc's like more. whenever he wins a race at I-80, I interview Barrett. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even bother yeah. talking to Shane. Yeah, same. Just put it on repeat on the last interview you did. Yeah. I mean, when yeah, it, it was fast. And just, <laughs> you know, I had a little, little character. Maybe yeah. you, you SSDD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I can't forget Goldfuse uh, shocks to Mike Goldfuse. Of course, you know, he raced back when we were starting and known Mike for forever and, and so on. And so Mike's been doing my shocks for I don't know, eight or nine years now. And, and you know, I talked about shocks earlier, which, which one odd thing is, is that I haven't bought a new shock for like 15 years. You know, guys will, and I have a what? bunch of them, so I have, I have a whole bunch of shocks in my trailer. They're like, oh, man, you got all kinds of money in, in shocks. I'm like, I have not bought it. I buy them used. I buy them junk. I buy them bent up or whatever, and I fix them. You know, as far as going and buying a brand new one out of the box, I don't know what that's like. Yeah. You know, because 
whatever you get out of the box isn't what you want anyway, so you're just going to have to revalve it, and, the, you know, the gas pressure in it is wrong or the valving's not right, or, you know, you get yeah. one out of the box, and you take it, you put it on the dyno, and it doesn't, it doesn't dyno exactly like you want it, and so you yeah. might as well just build what you want. Half the time, it don't dyno like it says on the box. Not even close, but, <laughs> you know, back when I was racing a Pro-Am in, in Corning, I used to run on those AFCO white welded bearing shocks, and... Uh, those those oil shocks, man, they were they were some of the best ones I ever ran. You know, if you could just figure out what they were, you know, the feel of them was really good because they were oil shock. Well, and they were strong. Yeah, they last. Yep. yep, yep. The only thing you had to do when you got them is you had to lay the end on a socket and smack the bearing on them so you could loosen that up. <laughs> Otherwise, they wouldn't. The bearings on them were just so tight. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't remember who told me who's taught me that trick. I didn't come up with that trick on my own. It's, Somebody was like, oh, you just take it and lay it on an impact socket and smack it hard with a big rig hammer, and it shoves the bearing over, and then it's loose, frees it up. <laughs> I'm like, I love that kind of trick. <laughs> Any other sponsors you got to make sure and thank? Go fast. <laughs> yeah, Go, Go Foos Course, Dumb Shocks Horse. He's, he's moving to Oklahoma, and his son's taking, one of his sons is taking over that. Oh. Uh, so that's kind of transitioning this year and, and for sure into next year so. So that'd be interesting to see how that go goes. I know uh, Mike's son's doing some race car repair, and they have a frame jig and stuff down, stuff like that. So um, doing some race car repair, but they're in Oklahoma, so probably won't be much use for us. Yeah. Uh, around here, as far as the race car frame repair, but you know, you stick a shock in the mail and send it down there and get it back in a couple of days, so that's not a big deal. So, Eric yeah. Rempel, driver the number twenty-one. It's been a pleasure talking to you, sir. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me you. on. It's kind of weird that, you know, you guys have been doing this for this long and I haven't been on. I know. <laughs> so There's plenty of people that have said the same thing to me. There's, I mean, there's so many drivers around here, yeah. and uh, we only have two interviews a week, and sometimes we yep. just get stuck in our little comfort zone of the same drivers. Yep. So, well, uh, we're, we're trying. People want to hear from the winners. Right. You know, is it, the main thing, first right. of all. And then we're also trying to, or we were before when we were on the radio, we're trying to be more prominent nationally. So we were trying to get the NASCAR guys, oh, you know, guys cup yep. guys and whatnot. Yep. And I had a lot of connections there. Yep. But now that the pandemic's hit and, you know, the last two years, we really haven't been in the garage or anything, you oh, know. Right. So, so any connections are basically worthless. Now, hopefully that's going to open back up this year. Right. Yeah, and but, it seems like it is. So it's just a matter of getting getting through that. People getting comfortable having, you know, the, the post-COVID stuff yeah. now instead of, the, you know, the during and pre well, and, stuff, but. and when we were on the radio, we had such a format. We had 58 minutes and 50 seconds for our show. That's it. Right. Now, yeah, we, it you in. know, we did a 17-minute interview with two Robinsons. They're kind of a quiet family, so they don't yeah. really talk much. Yeah. I, I get you on. We're 35 minutes into it. Like, it's... it. Yeah. We, it just kind of If goes. this was on the radio, I'd have had to cut so much right, of it out. Well, it. he's right. another Bloomquist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is what happens when you've been racing for so long. You got a lot of stories, and you got yeah. it all built you know, up. If, if yeah. I don't have a good story to tell, I'll just make one up for you. Right. <laughs> and I've been racing for so long that that anybody that was around that area, their memories probably got good enough. They don't remember how it actually truly was, so they they wouldn't know. And everybody else is too young to remember if the story was accurate or not. So, oh, I'm that. just surprised you didn't tell us that story about running side by side with Fred Flintstone. You know. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Almost. <laughs> I was uh, one of my favorite questions to ask is, uh, Dirk, did you ever DQ Eric? Uh, no. No? So, no issues in tech with Dirk. But yeah. so interesting fact, in all the years that I've been, now this is probably going to jinx it, but yeah. But out of all the years I've been racing, we've never been DQ'd from a race. Never. Well, you Not were. Not once. I don't think you were a weekly racer at Sunset. No. 
So speaking of Sunset, we, we did race at Pro-Am when we were in, uh, racing at Corning. We did race a few times there, and I won the B feature in the final Sunset. I still have oh, that okay. trophy. Oh, okay. That's cool. So, yep. That's cool. I was working that not, night. Not that, not that it's a great uh, bragging point to say you won a B feature, but um, I won the last one, and I still have that trophy. So. Yeah, it's, you know. If you can win the last one at I-80 to match it, that'd be kind of yeah, cool. That would, you know. Yeah. But, win uh, the A feature, though. <laughs> well, we'll try. We'll see win how the, it goes. Do, do me a favor. Win the B and, and then, then win, win the A. a. Yeah, you know. Oh, win, it, the, win the last A from the back? Yeah, oh, that'd be, that'd yeah. be, that'd be legend. But yeah. You, you know what? At, at a track like I-80, that is more than possible to do with oh, how yeah. racy it always is. You know, sometimes in heat races, it's a little bit of a struggle, but almost always... In a in the A feature, that track is super racy, multiple groove, and that's really what racers want. They just want a track you can race on and have a chance yeah. at, and have a chance. You know, not follow the leader, not rubber down, not just just have. And it doesn't really matter if there's a little character in it or not, or it's just racy. If it's racy, everybody will be fine with it. Yep. Good words to live by, and good words to end that interview on. Eric, it's been a pleasure talking with you. We appreciate you joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yep. That's going to do it for us for today. Big thanks to Rick Havenridge and Wealth Partners for sponsoring the Fred Stretch. Make sure to listen Thursday. We'll get you set for the weekend of racing to come. Big thanks to Joe's Carding and, of course, Quaker Steak and Lube and Tailored Computers and Repair for all the technical support. For Dirk Houston, I'm Dan Taylor. This has been the Front Stretch. We all have that coworker that runs their mouth off at how great they are. They shot a five under par, 95 mile an hour fastball, bench press 375, brah. Wouldn't you love to shut them up by schooling them at Joe's Karting? Council Bluffs premier indoor karting track, professionally designed so each corner is your opportunity to embarrass your coworker. Call Buddy for your next company outing at 712-256-5278. Joe's Karting, white knuckle racing just across the river on 23rd Avenue next to AMC 17. Hey guys, Dan Taylor with Tailored Computers and Repair. This time I'm talking laptop screen replacement. We've all made the mistake of dropping our laptop. Maybe one of our animals stepped on it. Maybe we set something heavy on top of it and we just didn't realize it was too heavy. And you go to turn that laptop screen on, there's a giant crack across it. That doesn't mean your laptop is completely worthless. In just a couple of days of turnaround, I can easily get your laptop screen replaced and usually it's for a pretty reasonable price. Don't think your laptop is completely wasted just because you have a broken screen on it. Give me a call today, 402-659-5641, or shoot me an email, tailoredcomputersandrepair at gmail.com. I'd be glad to give you an estimate on how much it's going to cost to replace your laptop screen.